0: It's Kate here. Wow, what a day. It's Tuesday at 6 p.m. and everything happened today. I, I Thank you to the popular culture gods for giving me something to work with. If I had to see one more article about Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas, about Demi Rose, I, I, honestly at this point I'm, I'm over this empire story because it's so confusing. Uh, either way, it's disgraceful in either way. So it's like, do I really want to know the outcome? I, the news has been really, you know, disenchanting lately, if you will. And um, today, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I guess I should begin by saying, hi, I'm Kate Kennedy, owner-founder of Be There in 5 LLC, which is a company known for selling Remind Doormat's artwork. And we just came out with another product this week that I think is kind of fun and pop culture adjacent and adding more prints and cards to the shop as well that are kind of very topical current jokes. I'm also adding uh, some of my perhaps American girl humor to the Etsy shop as long as I am allowed to because not enough people are resurrecting them in the way they need to be. So check out be there in five 5etsycom to see what's up there. A lot of stuff's in limited quantities because I did it while it was snowy and depressing in January, and I'm going to see if it works and then, you know, revisit it later. But um, anyway, I also am the author of Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star, a nursery rhyme for the digital age, a very cute adult children's parody book for adults about social media, which is relevant now more than ever, because we have a, we have a case of the X on our hands. And by X, I mean, now X of Tristan Thompson, who, if you listen to the episode, are you there? (laughs) Are you there, Auntie Chris? It's me, Todd Cranes. You will hear me take out all of my anger and frustration about another situation onto Tristan Thompson, because I was having like a really bad week. So if you want to know how I feel about Tristan, please, by all means, check that out. I think he is disgusting. I think we should have dropped him before the delivery. I'm not a bigger person. I am petty crocker. You, you're, you're creeping behind my back while I'm crowning. You're out. I'm sorry. Like, I, 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 even though like, yeah, father deserves to, you know, see their daughter born or daughter deserves to know that their father was there. Your daughter doesn't remember her delivery. I don't. I I remember everything after like 92 and I have had a great life. I'm having a great time. I I didn't, I I don't really care (laughs) when or how my dad reacted to my birth. So that was BS to me. I thought she really needed to drop him a long time ago. And it's one thing to creep behind somebody's back with just anybody. It's a whole other thing to creep behind somebody's back with their little sisters, best friend, who I'd argue is part of the family. Chloe is to Malika as Kylie is to Jordan. Tristan Thompson was allegedly seen at his home fooling around with Jordan Woods, Kylie Jenner's best friend. Now you might be thinking, why does that matter? You know, maybe he just doesn't discriminate. And if you're it's just a proximity game, if a person's around, he hooks up with them. Maybe it wasn't deliberate, you know, about, you know, being with one of the best friends or harming the family. But it's not, a, it's not a thing where it's like a casual acquaintance. I'd like to remind you, Jordan protected Kylie's pregnancy with her life. This is a loyal friend. We did not know Kylie was pregnant for an entire nine months. That was the reveal. Uh, that was this, the biggest secret ever kept. I, I mean, we kind of knew, but like, we never really know, knew. And um, she was in the video, the big like 10 minute video titled For Our Daughter that Kylie and Travis Scott released. That Jordan had like a big part of the intro and I'm like 99% sure she filmed all of it. Not only that, she lived with Kylie for a very long time slash I still think she might slash I still think she has like her own room there. She is always there. She has no life outside of Kylie, which reminds me she was also featured in the show Life of Kylie. To be in a show and to film for a reality show, it is work. You are paid. So she made money from Life of Kylie. I know she makes money from Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So Already there. We're we're, we're under the same roof. The family's paying the bills. They've given her even more opportunities. She did a best friend's kit collab with Kylie Cosmetics. She even, Chloe herself, hired Jordan as a model for Good American, which is like, Jordan's part of the family. She's basically part of the family. She's also so close with Stormy. Like, she wore matching swimsuits was Stormy and Kylie as if it was, like, a dress like your doll, kid sister, my size Barbie situation, where you wanted to dress like your doll, but with, like, another mom and sister. Like, like why, why would, why would a, a mom and a baby or a person and a doll dress the same and then, like, invite a third person to come in? That's when things got pathetic for me, and I started deeper diving into Jordan Woods. And then I realized she had 8 million followers, which... Oh, my gosh. Like, we all know the token BFFs, the the, the background characters of our favorite shows and stars. But seldom do they achieve this level of stardom. Like, this isn't a great example. The only thing I can think of is, like, Jaclyn Hill, the YouTube star, makeup artist, says she herself has 6.2 million followers. Jordan has more than her. Like, she has a best friend named Jackie that probably has, uh, like, maybe 100K followers. It's, like, all up in her videos all the time. And it's kind of a thing where I assume people want to follow some like a famous person's best friend to like get an insider scoop. But like they're the only person that's not going to actually give you one. You know what I mean? Fame has got to be hard. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? I think that between how much how intertwined Jordan is with this family from work to life to shelter and considering like it must be impossible for Kylie to trust new people. It's I I don't know. I just I I guess my point is, guys, I don't I don't believe it. I do not think Jordan is that stupid. Everything she has and everything she is is rooted in the Kardashian Jenner clan. Now, I don't mean that in a way to say she doesn't have her own thing. I know she has a modeling career. I'm sure she does other stuff. I'm sure I'm going to get messages that she saves the children somewhere. And that's great. I'm not discounting her character, the value of her life. What I'm saying is, when it comes to her chosen profession, vocation, or her recently found fame, it is a direct result of who she associates with, and none by her own merit. And that's just a fact. It, it, it becomes a meritocracy once you really re- pass a, s- a certain threshold of fame, and then you have to work hard for yourself. But you can't get there unless you have some serious connections or work really hard or do something yourself which she did not do before she got famous so anyway sorry i just took a quick break i want to get a gatorade this is my sport this is my recital this is my main event and i'm a little bit winded it's like the phrase all dressed up with nowhere to go i'm like all jacked up with no one to talk to Because again, I love, love, love these pop culture stories, but we, it's been a drought. It's been a real drought. And I mean, suddenly like the Backstreet Boys, I am drowning. Anyway, so the next thing I want to talk about, I do not think Jordan is necessarily responsible or would do this unless she was extremely intoxicated under the influence. God forbid something happened. I don't know, maybe something was seen out of context. Also, what is a super famous person whose behavior has been on a super public platforms is letting strangers into their house that are like low-key Instagram reporters? Like, it was kind of like a guy from something like the Shade Room, but from another thing. And um, like, why was he there? I would probably just have like an iPad at the front entrance as if I'm at a derm spa and have people sign like a quick NDA release form. That was like click wrapped with ironclad policies about you talking, especially if I was creeping. I got to say, stop saying creeping. I sound like an old lady. I, I just, I feel like that's what it is. Um, but anyway, so what I'm, what, what's interesting to me is a series of events. So this happened like an hour ago, two hours ago. There's already six, six stories about it on Daily Mail. Six. I, <laughs> I mean, it's gone higher than Meghan Markle being in New York, which is another story today, by the way. How exciting. Seeing her back in the States. Still can't believe that she went from literally nobody looking at her if she tried so hard in her life, like couldn't get a solid role, had like an eh role on a cable sitcom, to now having to wear fashion hats to conceal her identity because she is so famous. Like, she has full-time security. She can't go outside. She can't go to a Chick-fil-A. She just like goes from hotel to car to museum to hotel, to car, to escalate after Escalade after Escalade, with like two Escalades in the front and the back of it. And it's like nothing changed besides her getting married. Isn't that the craziest thing? I cannot imagine my life drastically changing after getting married in that way. I don't think anybody could ever be prepared for that. And maybe that is why someone's ju- judgment is compromised and they suddenly get into large brim hats or newsboy caps. I cannot understand the motivation behind that ever. Uh, Tom Sandoval is perhaps the biggest offender. If you saw Vanderpump Rules last night, great episode. Uh, I, I digress. <laughs> the series of events is that on this past weekend, Kim went to some event. It was Sunday night. Some, like, non-event event <laughs> that was, like, the Hollywood, like, beauty awards, maybe? Wearing a dress. I don't know how—I don't want to mispronounce this. I don't know couture. It was—designer was M-U-G-L-E-R, I believe. It's French, so I'm going to venture to guess it's like Mugler. But, again, the album bon of it all. I don't want to sound like a moron. And I have a feeling it's not Muggler, because that sounds like the proper given birth name of a person who possesses no magical powers. But anyway, she wears this dress. It is truly one of the worst things I've ever seen. It is this, like, basically, if you go into a dressing room and you try on a BCBG dress with an ornate strappy back that you're never going to wear because you realize, nah, I can't pull off a strappy back. I'm always too pale. It always makes me look broad-shouldered. It always cuts into the, the side boob a little too much. And I don't know why pre-dressing me is so ambitious. But anyway, I digress again. It's like if I put that dress on backwards and suddenly every part of me is, is seeping through the back of the dress on the front as if I, you know, uh, my favorite analogy being put a tennis racket on my thigh and watch the skin come through the strings on the racket. It, it, things are, things are bursting at the seams. And I don't say that about her weight. She, her body's insane. She's perfect. I just, I say that in a sense of like, why? I, it, it just wasn't, um, it wasn't very becoming on her. I didn't think structurally it was anything to write home about. It didn't feel like it was couture that t- told a story, if you will. It was, it, it didn't so much tell a story as it did just give me a flashback to, the, the perils of watching Fifty Shades Free or Freed or whatever, like the second installment of Fifty Shades had a movie that was just like I, I I truly took took a quick snooze during, and it's pretty hard to take a quick snooze to a movie about like bondage, which is what Kim's dress basically was. It had like matching wrist straps. It just it was a weird dress. It was a weird choice, and I also find Kim to be like one of the most asexual people, energy wise, vibe wise. Like, I don't feel like her and Kanye, like, give uh, give off heat in the way that she maybe did with her previous boyfriends. Um, and it's like, I don't know, it's just interesting. I feel like she's so comfortable showing her body. Like, at this point, it would be more shocking to see Kim in a trouser than in, like, a full-on living, marinated, tied-up, string-around-a-pot roast. She was very shiny, too, hence the marinating metaphor so the whole thing just was like i don't know anyway you get the the point but her wearing that dress was like such a cry for attention like she knew it was going to be everywhere so basically fashion nova which is a fast fast fashion site that notoriously notoriously rips off like oscar dresses and famous celebrity looks and basically makes 20 like it has like a 24-hour turnaround designing looks that um while they're popular, while like within 24 hours of celebrities wearing them, they sell them for like nothing because they're made from horrible materials, probably in terrible conditions and we shouldn't be supporting them. But the reality is nobody's going to run out and find a Mugler vintage dress from 1998. So they're going to go to Fashion Nova. But like truly, can you imagine a normal person wearing that dress? Like where the hell are you wearing that dress? Like would a restaurant let you in? They say like shoes and shirt require, but it's like, does like a skydiving harness a a shirt make it's just straps it's very but anyways I'll never get over it so anyway Fashion Nova did this recently with Kylie's birthday dress and they were pretty sure they were like in cahoots Kim famously said on Ashley Graham's podcast that Fashion Nova and offered her one million dollars for one Instagram post which is like if for any business person, that's the easiest money you're ever going to make. Like, I don't think unless you're a billionaire, are you not okay with selling out for that kind of cash for that little time and effort? But Kanye didn't want her to, obviously, because they knock off his Yeezys, they knock off stuff from his collection. And so he he wrote Kim a check for a million dollars instead. And, like, that's, like, an interesting story to tell, A. Eh? It's like, are you trying to, you know play up that he actually has money because he tweeted once and he's in like immense immense debt which I don't doubt because they turned like a beautiful Spanish style well actually I think their home was more so Tuscan inspired home into like a a shrill cold museum of modern art and by art I mean white furniture and empty spaces with like truly depressing dark stuff oh yeah Kenny G performed for her Valentine's Day that, that was another big press thing this week. Not that Kenny G showed up in Kim's foyer on Valentine's Day to play a private concert for her, but the fact that he was surrounded by hundreds of rose singular roses in v- glass vases on the floor, creating a, a true I- impossible uh, exit situation, entry situation. How long did he have to stand there? I, does Kenny G not have better things to do on Valentine's Day? Probably, arguably, the most valuable day uh, for his working capital, there is annually. I, it, it looked like one of those things that have all those pins in it and you like put your face through it and you can see an outline of your face or like you put your hand through it. And I, I don't really know what they do. They're often, you know, on desks next to the stress ball or like in science museums maybe. But anyway, that was a story. Forgot about that. So then she wears this dress and then Fashionova comes out with that dress within 24 hours. Of course, it's suspicious, like, it's one thing to design a pattern within 24 hours. It's another thing to sew, design a pattern, then sew a dress within 24 hours. It's a whole other thing to design the pattern, to sew the dress, to make modifications, and then to do a full-on photo shoot with a model within 24 hours of it being worn. Like, it's, it's, it's unheard of, it's, it's borderline impossible unless they were tipped off. Now, the original theory by Diet Prada, an Instagram account was they noticed on a model's Instagram story that they put up kind of like the computer of the photo shoot where you could see the file name of this model wearing this knockoff Mugler dress. And at the, the file name was dated 2 3 full days before she was seen in that dress through, until anybody knew she was wearing it. And four full days until it came out to be for sale for the general public on Monday evening. So the the Diet Prada site is like, clearly Kim's tipping them off and she's collaborating with these sites because they already knew she was going to wear it so far in advance. The story was taken down with the date on it and people were all speculating about, you know, it's, it's not only is it unethical to have designers probably gift you dresses in exchange for press for their own benefit and to as like kind of in good faith with celebrities but then for the celebrity themselves to go behind their back and leak what they're wearing that they know is going to be a huge story and be popular to a fast fashion site to copy it and to rip off the designer's intellectual property and to profit off of the press that they're getting for them even though they still kind of owe them because the dress itself was free. There is an exchange of value there. It's, it's unethical to do that, period. But also, it's thirsty, and it's weird, and it doesn't really make sense why she would need Fashion Nova. But my first thought was, well, when she told the Kanye story, it sounded like she was considering accepting the million dollars. So maybe she's not that opposed to it. And again, I don't know why I think this, but I feel like I have it confirmed that Kylie has worked with them. Anyway... She posts an Instagram story today that's like, I hate what they do to designers. I would never do that. It's taken me decades to get in with these designers, and I would never, uh, ever tarnish these relationships or go behind their back. And she really was like, completely trying to clear her name and suggest that she is on the side of the fashion houses, and not the fa- not the fast fashion houses, but like the couture high fashion houses. Um, I don't know if you can call it Fashion Nova a fashion house like uh diet prada referred to their whatever they do in la to get up in 24 hours they're like somehow they had it up within a day at their los angeles-based atelier i was like pretty sure it's not an atelier pretty sure it's a storage unit in the valley but after that i I was kind of like okay yeah at first i thought kim was totally guilty because she'll do anything for a buck but then especially after all this jordan stuff came out i was thinking huh i guess the only other explanation is that there's a mole somewhere in the kardashian styling process where they leak the looks for that to happen every time seems weird you'd think like at a point she'd realize somebody in her fitting was realizing this but it's not like it's tmz it's not like a paparazzo you tip off anonymously it's like for a regular person at a vintage store or that works for a stylist or that works for a designer to call up Fashion Nova and be like, hey, what's it worth to you? I mean, I just really don't think that's realistic. So there is a mole in the house of Kardashian. My question, everybody, is, is it Jordan Woods? Is she, is she the snake we never saw coming? Is she secretly resentful to watch this family's meteoric rise to fame when her and Kylie in the eighth grade were, were nothing but a couple girls on the same page? you know, just dancing to Girls Gone Wild and around poles in Bruce and Chris's bedroom like we saw in season one and just enjoying their childhood that was, you know, just happened to be filmed for the whole nation to see. I'm sure it's frustrating to watch your best friend become a billionaire, to have a baby so young and still keep it tight, to really just launch this empire based off of Liv Filler alone. And, you know, I, if, I, if that were me, I'd, I'd think back on that one fateful day, I decided to just say no to Juvederm and be like, what, what, what would have been my life had I succumbed to the Brielle Biermann of it all? And in her case, not a whole lot. I mean, I, I feel for like Brielle's, her point of comparison is Kim. And Kim, sorry, Zolsiak Biermann. And I can understand that if that's what you see every day, and that's your point of reference. Like your idea of big lips is very different from mine. And I like I I want to come from a place of like people are just doing the best they can. But in her case, I, I just don't think it's doing her favors. Like I think it did Kylie favors, and I'm concerned for Brielle. It's not doing her favors, and her, she, her she's a little droopy on Watch What Happens Live, and she's so youthful. And I I you know I, I hope for the best for her. I think she's funny, and I think if she can get out of her mother's shadow, she might be able to do something. But it's just very hard for people to take you seriously when you look so unnatural and so much older than you actually are when you're young. And I just wish she had a sounding board that she respected that could honestly tell her that because obviously her mother isn't going to. Anyway, again, I digress. Siri just <laughs> pinged because I think I must have said seriously. Okay, why do I, do I just did it again? Um, okay, so <laughs> what was I talking through? Okay, so the dress in Fashion Nova. Kim said I'm not guilty. Then... I'm thinking, okay, there's a mole. Then I'm wondering, is it Jordan after today? And I guess what kills me is when it comes to the Kardashians, I don't think any of it's real. And it's hard because I love their show. I think what they've done with their fame business-wise is a really interesting example of how just baseline fame as an influencer how, how you can become a person of influence without a baseline trait or talent traditionally associated with mega fame and mega wealth. You guys know I appreciate them. But that said, they're press machines. They're, they bring paparazzi like on boats and planes with them. They know what they're doing and they have not been talked about a lot in recent months. It, sh- it certainly is nothing compared to the eras of years past or even last year, like when Kim was constantly wearing the you know Xenon girl of the 21st century metallic biker shorts space pants they went to Tokyo and wore all that crazy stuff I feel like she was always 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 uh, on our radar or uh, especially last year with Tristan's first well I mean 15th indiscretion but first to our public knowledge because I still think Chris hid the tapes in October that were revealed when uh what's her name Aunt, no honor no that's jessica alba's daughter's name what's her name oh my god oh my god oh my god true true the irony of all ironies when true was born somehow old footage got released which i still think is fishy and i still think maybe somebody leaked it because they wanted to take tristan down on chloe's behalf even though she didn't want them to um but like that that kept people talking about the kardashians for like i mean months months and months, months and then the lead up to keeping up with the kardashians we like couldn't wait to see it go down on TV. It was kind of a letdown. Similar, I mean, kind of everything that the Kardashians do in real life that we want to see, when the show airs eight to 12 months after the thing happened. So we kind of already know all about it or have pieced it together. And the footage is never that good of the actual good stuff. Like, n- and not that this is good stuff, but I mean, like, the high, high, stuff with high engagement that we really want to know, i.e., Kim and Kanye's wedding. It was all cell phone footage. Not going to lie. I did like that episode. The Paris robbery. Obviously, intense for obvious reasons, but I, I still didn't feel like I really understood what was going on. Kanye's 5150 when he was, like, on a mental health hold and everyone's just acting like it never happened. And, like, Kim, I still am annoyed that Kim tweets, like, and talks about on the show, like, just because he has an opinion doesn't mean he's mentally ill. And I'm like, but he's telling everybody he's mentally ill. He, he like, his album said he's is bipolar, like, on the cover. So, why are you ignoring it and instead of choosing to engage in a dialogue but for the betterment of, of spouses out there who are dealing with such a thing? You know, it's like instead of doing a terrible episode in season you know, 14 about how uh, there's a lot of homeless people in Skid Row and you're like on your iPhone going through Skid Row in an Escalade being like, this is so sad. We should give them gift cards. Like, no, th- 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 there's, there's better ways you can be helping. And speaking of the show, I think that they need a big event to draw people in for season 15. My guess is they got a huge, huge paycheck, or maybe we know that already, but they're all so individually valuable now for their, them to spend time filming. I'm sure is expensive. Like their price is raised and it's one of E's only hits even though the ratings have declined rapidly over the years and like they have without Rob there without Kylie Barely there Kendall's not interesting and just like complains about sleep paralysis Courtney is just like gluten-free Scott's the best part of the show he's not around nearly enough Kim anchors it and she's just like trying to stir up stuff with her family talking on speaker in her car Chloe is the real star of it all, but we know she's going through a tough time, and I want to give her a break. And I want her to find love. And it's borderline depressing. it's just like, how many times can we, you know, buy MJ a condo? We, b- b- we bought Lamar a condo. We bought Rob a condo. Like we get it. Chris can decorate a place with the help of Faye Resnick. There's a lot of vases on the built-ins. It, it's I, I just don't know, guys. It, the, the show is getting so boring. And the more I thought about it, I was like, they need an arc. They need a story. They need to keep people through the entire season. And if Jordan is heavily filmed throughout this season, we're going to watch her behavior like a hawk. Now, the last time Jordan was featured in Kylie's stories was only about two, three hours before she was allegedly at Tristan's until 7 a.m., which, you know, a little late if you ask me. But the thing is, like, they all have kids. They have so many kids. Kim is about to have her fourth kid. Chloe is a kid. Courtney has three kids. Even Rob is a kid. Chris has you know she's she practically collects kids like the butt kisses, and it ca- takes two because she's gonna make 10% off of them just like the butt kisses worked their kids to the bone in that scrapyard and I just don't think they have time to manufacture drama that is worth watching on TV. If you look at their ratings so like we're we're season f- six sorry season 16 is about to premiere. When you look at season 12 the last time they had really high ratings it was their season 12 premiere. When Rob started dating Black Chyna, or like it was the episode about when they found out that, because Kylie and Tyga was, were still together at this time, when they found out that, who I assume was the bane of their existence because of her splitting custody with Tyga for their first kid, King Cairo. I can't believe I knew that off the top of my head. Um, that had 3.19 million viewers. And then on season 13 strangely the episode where kim was robbed at gunpoint in paris 1.58 million viewers i was shocked by that then season 14 we go into social issues we have an episode about gun control we have an episode about planned parenthood we have an episode about homelessness in skid row uh, we americans are monsters and only 700,000 people watched those episodes like the ratings plummeted when they tried to get serious and to get meaningful and You know, that's why you can't be everything to everyone. Maybe stay in your lane. I appreciate the effort. I really do. I hope they taught some people, but like, clearly we're all the worst and aren't going to watch it. So then we're, you know, all a little bit bored. Like, you know, Kim has Chicago. We find out Chloe's pregnant. Like, it's exciting, but it's stuff we already knew about. Speaking of Chicago's birth episode, like, I need to look at what the ratings were when mason was pulled well when courtney pulled mason physically out of her birth canal hold on let me see for some reason i can't see the ratings of that it was the season finale of season four the season premiere of season five when kim has a house party after her split with reggie bush and she freaks out because somebody spills red wine on her house and it's like kim hello the secret let's manifest your life is only get big only going to get bigger and better than that Mediterranean-style villa you had, even though you thought it was the nicest thing you'd ever had. That was August 2010. That premiere had 4.67 million viewers, which is very high for cable. And by cable, I mean non-broadcast, not ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, etc., which, by sheer number of subscribers alone, always has much higher viewership. Anyway, so to go from 4 million and change from previous births, all the way to when Chicago was born. Only 900,000 people watched that. Now, I know that's nothing, you know, it's to, what's it called, sniff at? Um, But like, I, I think Chicago's name hurt her brand, if I'm being perfectly honest. I think there was so much potential to have another name after North and Saint, two very strong names, though I do think Catherine Calhoun Dennis did name her child Saint Julian prior to Saint West, but neither here nor there, I can see in Kim's eyes that she regrets naming her Chicago. I think shy is cute, but they always call her Chicago and it just doesn't have a nice ring to it. And I live here. I I, 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 just doesn't do much for me. Um, anyway, so then I'm like, okay, well, did Stormy help the ratings? Were we people excited to see that, to see them interact? 1.8, 1.08, very different than 8 million viewers, a little bit of a bump. And then I was like, okay, Tristan had to do a thing or two for this show. I mean, they aired Chloe from the delivery room. And I, it's not even that it being a disappointing episode affected it because it still only had 1.13 million viewers, which is so crazy to consider like three quarters of their audience has dropped off in the last, you know, at this point, seven, eight years. And I, I think that they're at a point where their paychecks are bigger than ever. Their viewership is lower than ever. There's a cost benefit analysis going on here and they need to find an arc they need a plot line they need something to work toward what is the perfect way to benefit somebody in their circle to further their career make them more of a household name chris probably like manages her i don't know they're they they might think that this is the perfect stormy of incidences where they finally can get tristan out they love jordan she's part of the family they can further promote jordan Malika can continue to step in as the best friend we we all never had. Like, she is she is a saint. The entire family benefits from the increase in ratings, because you know we're going to watch how this goes down. But the sad part is, is our general population interest is considerably lower than it once was, so the potential for viewership is baseline lower. It's almost like they had to think of something outrageous. Something outrageous had to happen. The ratings haven't been that high since um, Bruce transitioned to Caitlin. And... I just think that it, it, I just would not put it past them for this to be completely contrived. Part of me, like it would it would be a real thrill in life if Jordan was like this mole and like she's in cahoots with like Monica Rose and Joyce Spinelli and all the other kind of people behind the scenes that have been mysteriously ousted from the dynasty. But in reality, I think it's contrived. And the smoking gun to me is that on the shade rooms post or whatever, um, Chloe posted like 10 emojis of like somebody yelling out which i thought was a really weird emoji choice it was kind of like a shout it from the rooftops but it could also be like hey you i'm talking or like hey sound on or like hey this has audio it kind of looked like a uh, a sign that would be in a public school on a public school wall you know what i mean It, it just isn't like a fun emoji or like an angry emoji or even leaves any mystery well it leaves all the mystery but i mean like you know if she if she had an emoji that had like one eye closed or like a tongue out if it was like upside down we could like you know think through it a little harder but we're just like okay it's this blue man that's shouting but then malika co-signs this confirming that what we think it is and says like these are some facts or something along those lines basically you you know you know malika doesn't doesn't breathe without consulting chloe so she is clearly there to back her up and to confirm what Chloe herself doesn't want to explicitly say. However, my thought is probably one of the worst times of Chloe's life when she was like minutes from an epidural racing to the hospital by herself with some dude that I had never seen before on the show. So I mean, can they be that close? And Tristan's out with other women cheating on her publicly and carelessly which is almost worse than publicly but trying to be private about it and she didn't really speak up granted she was busy I know like labor like whatever like you know you got a thing or two to do you're not gonna be live tweeting it but still before during and after that whole thing was going on she was largely silent other than being like thanks for the thoughts and prayers sending you love and light during this difficult time like you know give me a minute to process tug oh, tugboats furious one sec She never really commented. If this actually happened, if Kylie's best friend, if a basic member of the family that's on all of their vacations that she's known for, you know, 10 years that is modeled for her business, that Kylie trusts with her baby's life, literally, if this person hooked up with her daughter's father, who she has immense trust issues with, who she probably was already, you know, on the fence with to begin with. If she, if she exercised that poor of judgment, that level of betrayal and that disregard for her future and, and burning bridges, like, Chloe would be despondent. She would be so upset. She would be so hurt. Hurt people, angry people talk. Hurt people are often silent at first. There are stages of grief, of course, from, you know, anger and to sadness to whatever. But I just think that if something was this devastating... She'd take a beat, wait a minute, talk it out. Like, this allegedly happened very recently, and I'm sure, like, you'd have a family meeting. Well, you'd call the cameras and then have a family meeting or figure out the sitch. But I just feel like something, I don't know. They're they're all moms. They don't have a lot of drama going on. They don't want to have to just, like, do hijinks, like skydiving and Art Vandelay, though I love that. But, like, how how many times can we go to kim and courtney's ob-gyn like truly i i have have no interest in seeing somebody's gynecological appointment twice a season we are we are back there in that office and i just yeah we do need something else they're right and like they thought maybe kylie would be their breakout star life of kylie truly the most boring show i've ever seen in my life there's never been a more personality less human on screen don't know how she is in real life Uh, robin china was a train wreck uh, the Courtney and Kim and the Courtney and Chloe spinoff series in other cities were actually so awesome, but they were fun because people were single and ready to mingle. And like things actually happened, like her crying in the glam room at the Award over Chris Humphreys and her divorce is like, like I can't even believe we were blessed with that at one time. We don't get anything like that now because anything now that would happen would be legitimately sad and hard to deal with because like children are involved and mental health involved and you know, whatever. Um, but anyway, I guess my final conclusion is there is a mole in the house of Kardashian. Well, I want it to be Jordan for my own, you know, excitement. I don't think it is. I still, I think it's, there's something else that's happening there that isn't necessarily going behind their back or something they're unaware of, but a very deliberate partnership to, that everyone profits off of. Though I do believe Kim independently, like Kim as an entity herself nobody would invite her to a fashion show before like, I don't know, 2012. Like she really, really did not get in the high fashion seat until Kanye. She was not taken seriously until very recently. I believe that she doesn't want to burn those bridges. But aside from the Fashion Nova thing, I do not think the Jordan thing is real. I want to believe that it is, but there's six Daily Mail articles. Twitter it is trending on Twitter. It is on my Instagram Discover page. It's all anybody can talk about. It's, it's just, it's going to be the story of the next, you know, week or two. And it's the very thing they need before their March 31st premiere of keeping up with the Kardashians that they're probably finishing filming now. So then they can start to put this in the previews to get people excited for the season. They could say like, you could say, well, why wouldn't they do it right before the premiere? But I think they need to like make the trailers and stuff and do the up and show us that it's going to be on this <laughs> season because maybe they realized they were filming too far gone from when the actual events were happening. Last year it was really bad and it really skipped around. I can't think of a specific example, but just, trust me that it was. So anyway, I'm probably wrong. Not everything's a conspiracy, guys. But, like, if she wanted to come above Kylie, she would have told the press she was pregnant. She, She would have been more of a thirst monster when she was, like, 18 or 19. Like, when she was younger and knew less about importance of connections and the reality of her, the fame and privilege that comes along with somebody in her position... But she didn't. And I, I just like to think that friends that close and people who are loyal are loyal. And it bums me out to think that in the event of fame, you just really lose everybody around you. If anything, I would assume everybody would be ass kissing around you. But if you need money, you need money. But when you're friends with Kylie, who's a billionaire and 20, or I guess now 21, you just be like, hey, girl, can I have some money? And she'd be like, cool. Like, I don't know. If I was best friends with Kylie, every night I'd be like, could I have money for pizza? And like, you know, she'd go out into the red carpet and I'd sit at home and order Papa John's. Anyway, guys, I just, um, I just, I can't imagine that happening. That is my case. It has been 40 minutes. I can't even believe I talked about that for that long. I have no facts. I have no information. I have nothing to stand on other than my own opinion and borderline expertise of the Kardashians. You are basically keeping up with Kate Kennedy, the original double K And uh, frankly, they've ruined my—they've ruined this letter for me. Even though, as of two weeks ago, I told you that not having an adjective for icebreaker games was ruining my case. The reality is, I've always loved them. I kept them. I'm still Kate Kennedy. It's my maiden name, not my married name. And uh, yeah. Anyway, guys, what else happened today? Okay, Lady Gaga and her fiance broke up. Not surprised. Never understood what they were, how long they've been together. Her, I, I ship her and Taylor Kinney. I don't watch Chicago Fire, but I don't know. I, I liked them in the U and I video. That's where they met. And um, I just, I don't know. He called her Stephanie. It seemed like they really had a meaningful connection. The other thing with this is we are all so royally creeped out by her and Bradley Cooper's interactions. As we've talked about before, if my husband were as touchy feely with another woman, singing shallow as cooper is with gaga the only shallow thing would be the shallow grave i was digging for him because there's no reason to touch another woman's small of their back when you have a a life partner and a young child they are not married but they always look miserable together they almost famously look miserable together google bradley cooper arena shake miserable and you know well i guess intuitively you're gonna see what i'm talking about but Really, there's one like at Wimbledon, I think specifically, or maybe the US Open, where they're like, look like they can absolutely not be sending each other's presence. Now, what's funny about that is like, if people analyze me and my husband's presence, like, the, it, so many things can be taken out of context. Like, he's gone right now. I just ordered ramen. We're not eating carbs. Like, together, it's like us against the starches type thing. But like, there's a lot going on tonight, and I got to do this podcast, and I need some starch. And, you know, I'm going to order it anyway, and I'll probably confess to it, and maybe I'll dodge some of the noodles, but, like, if somebody walked into that conversation, it would be tense, because I'd be like, babe, I got to tell you something. I'm, like, so sorry, and I'd be groveling, and he'd be like, you told me you weren't going to have carbs, and, like, you know, we'd we'd seem, like, dramatic, and, like, we were at odds, when really, it's, like, not that big of a deal. It's just that, like, Greg hates when I, like, hide snacks and meals from him, because I think he wants some of them, not that he's, like, mad that I didn't I didn't like disobey him. I can do whatever I want. You know, it's just I, I do keep a small stash of Sour Bright Crawlers, tortilla chips, and Girl Scout cookies in my office that, um you know, he recently found and I did have to move. <laughs> but I don't know, I get hungry. And I, I, I don't think life is worth living if you can't treat yourself. Even on the strictest of diets, I will indulge because, again, I've, I've rage against the notion of accountability, something that Literally, I don't think anybody think is a ne- thinks it's a negative thing, but I only dislike because I think that there's um, nuance and it's subjective. Like, you can hold me accountable to something, but, like, I'm allowed to modify it to my liking, which I guess some could say completely negates the whole point, but whatever. I also started watching a show called Pen15, which is sweeping the nation, or it's about to. And no, it's not about genitalia, but it is a salute to a very popular joke, in middle school, much like that of, you know, putting in a bunch of numbers and ending up with the upside down calculator number that read boobless, Um, which I do believe I went through that entire equation on one podcast episode. But it really reminds me of like the first 10 episodes of my podcast that were largely nostalgic. I didn't know I was going to go in that direction. But I have, I, I remember so many things about like, 96 to 2002 that I don't even know like what to do with and I was worried I was like getting too far down that hole early on and kind of tried to take a step back because I can't say like pop culture and celeb gossip but then be like do you guys remember when those giant white speckled jawbreaker balls you'd get at the mall or from a candy vending machine like you really thought you were at risk of actually breaking your jaw and so like you never got one, but you watch other people get them and you maybe like one now and again, but wouldn't dare bite into one because your parents paid way too much for doncha and reminded you of it daily. Or like, remember when you thought poison sumac and poison ivy was like a definite thing you were going to get. And it was the the, the imminent threat of uh, quicksand, like John Mulaney talks about, like you really thought quicksand was something you were going to come across in life and adulthood has taught you otherwise. That's the hot goss I also want to talk about, but I, I I know doesn't engage everybody, especially listeners of different age groups but truly this show is it, it's a delight it um the third episode's like weird and I it's I just didn't need it um uh, it was a bit much for me especially like it's weird to watch people who are supposed to be minors even though the actors aren't minors in like sexual situations it just makes me uncomfortable but the pilot is a masterpiece I have not gotten past episode three so I mean, I guess I don't really know how it ends or maybe something happens and I'm giving it, you know, an undue endorsement, but I just can't believe it hasn't been done before. Maybe 2000 doesn't feel long enough ago for nostalgia, but I mean, we're way past wonder years. Like 2000s is a magical era that I remember so deeply and uh, like everything was so incredibly sensory from like, she had a, this cloud print pillow that I had, but I also had a matching shirt that I did get from Kohl's with my allowance. They, you know, passed notes folded like uh, a paper football, which I still find impossible to play, but very fun to fold. I am hoping soon they will be folding a fortune teller because, you know, how how would you dare proceed at that age without knowing if some girl named Melissa folded you that lovely origami contraption only to choose, you know, to lift tab number two and it be blank because Melissa's a moron and doesn't know how to fold it. So then you take over and then appear controlling and then nobody wants to like get their fortune from you. It's whatever. I'm not talking about me necessarily, but you know that's a situation that could happen with a person that gets frustrated at art projects that are poorly executed. Um, I I I I don't know. I just I, I don't like. I feel like it's at 47 minutes and it's so Kardashian heavy at the top of this episode. I don't want to like slip. Sometimes when I have the better stuff to say after I hit minute 30. I'm like, should I just save this for another episode? Because the first part of the episode was specific to a certain interest group. Like, I don't think everybody cares about the Kardashians or even knows who Jordan with the Y Wood is, but Woods is. And also, it could co- like this this case could change like literally tomorrow. But at least we have Maya to show us the true timelessness of another case, which is the case of the X, which I didn't really think about at the time. Um, the wine. You told me that she turned trick when y'all broke up in 96. And I can't say that I'd find any solace in my new boyfriend being like, Oh, don't worry, my ex-girlfriend isn't a problem. She's a hooker now. And then I'd be like, Shoof. <laughs> no, it's worse. Hey, because like w- w- what's your sitch, dude? Like, why were you comfortable dating a woman who had, you know, such hooker potential? And I know we're not supposed to shame sex work, I guess, now. I'm not sure where we are in society. And, you know, I am a champion of uh, the Lonnie from City High's What Would You Do? I thought she was being, you know, needlessly mansplained and shamed during that song. She's doing what's best for her son. But, you know, it's not every day that somebody turns trick after dating you. And my first response wouldn't necessarily be like, what's her problem? I'd be like, what's your problem? And also, if anything, her turning trick after 96 just means that now you can pay her for sex in a professional capacity, whereas before it would seem less proper and transactional. It would seem, you know, like you were doing something on the side secretively, but now it's like her vocation. It's, it's, it's her office hours. You could pop in any time and it would be like, it's nothing. So whatever. Um, But I just... That is a great song, by the way. I didn't really talk about it earlier. When I was trying to think of like revenge or angry or cheating songs, I was like, meh, Carrie Underwood. Meh, Taylor Swift better than revenge. Yay, should have said no, but didn't feel right for the vibe. Um, And I thought of Maya and especially thought of how a lot of people think that she is the person that Jay-Z had an affair with, that Lemonade is largely inspired by. I have heard Maya. I have heard Rihanna. I've heard Rachel Roy, not Rachel Ray. Again, one of my favorite days on the internet outside of the Taylor Swift Kim phone conversation. It is truly thrilling when something happens like after 8 p.m. And you just have to watch it unfold, especially on Twitter, because I hate Twitter and I only get on when, you know, I can't miss a beat of the replies of people that also have nothing better to do. But anyway, um... Maya kind of fell off the face of the earth after, you know, she did have that one hit with the Rugrats um, movie. My nephews were watching Rugrats this weekend and I was taken back. I was like, whoa, these are some unattractive babies. Tommy looks like he's an octogenarian. Uh, Phil and Lil have gnarly receding hairlines. Angelica's talking out of the side of her mouth like Helga Helga Pataki, but with a little less... uh, Sharp of a tongue and, I don't know, just generally verbally stimulating. I thought Helga could be funny at times. Angelica didn't do a lot for me and that wretched doll Cynthia who was experiencing doll pattern baldness. But anyway, Maya sang a song that was like, Take me there, I wanna go there. Remember that song? It was pretty good. Um, it had the Rugrats theme song in the background. She had that and she had Moulin Rouge. Now, in a perfect world, would I spend the next 20 minutes <laughs> casting? This era is Moulin Rouge, Rouge, yes. But I need more time to think about it, and I fear that I'm going to lose people. I also want to save a little bit more about Pen15 because I want to finish the series to talk about it at length, but I kept finding myself stopping and wanting to take notes. But it was last night, like, after midnight, and they aren't making a ton of sense now that I'm reading them. But I did say, getting layers, LOL, because they talked about, uh like, how badly you want to look different after the summer like it's a thing in middle and early high school because people are changing at such a rapid rate especially like boys are growing taller if boys are on the baseball team in the spring they finally grow out their wretched buzz cut a lot of times people lose baby fats uh you know get highlights a lot of there's just, there's a lot of transformations happening for better or for worse and As I mentioned, I looked so different in seventh grade. I was in seventh grade in the year 2000, which, you know, for this show to be about being in seventh grade in the year 2000 makes me think the creators are also 1987ers or maybe 86. I was young for my grade, um, which is such a funny thing that I haven't said in like 12 years because it doesn't, it's like something that only matters for a very specific period of your life, but really hurts you when you want to get on your friend's uh, sports teams. But anyway... In, uh, at that age, you wanted to come back from summer break looking, you know, hot to trot. I never did. I looked so different that my brother at one point was like, did you get a face transplant? Because you know, brothers are, that's what they're there for. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I didn't, but my hair got blonder after one fateful summer where I figured out that sun and turned my hair blonde while it turned other people's orange. And then I was able to, you know, get a steady highlight, which improved my mousey dishwater color. And I just grew into my face. I think that's what everyone does. When you're like tall and lanky and awkward, you have when some things grow before other things, it looks imbalanced. And symmetry is the the, the you know, foundation of beauty. And I did not have any sort of symmetry, I'd argue, until my early twenties. Anyway, I um laughed so hard at the concept of like somebody wanting to get layers before they go back to school because it's truly all you're you can do when you're young like all you're allowed to do my parents were gonna let me dye my hair I did sun in behind their back I it sounds like that was some like hard drug um but they like getting layers I, in, in an era of you know Rachel Green which you'd also watch behind your parents back because like I was friends was way too mature for me apparently at the time um it's crazy to think that it was at one point live like you know your favorite old tv shows you're like how weird would it be to wait for friends every week you know it's just so easily at our disposal but anyway um between Rachel Green and you know Sarah Michelle Gellar and Christina Aguilera uh, the, the zigzag parts the chunky highlights the layers it was thrilling and we all at one point tried to get layers and uh, for a couple of my close friends it did end up in a Carol Brady situation for me it ended up in did you ever watch like read those books Amber Brown is not a cram. In my head, her hair is very stringy, but I don't know if I'm making that up. It didn't do anything for me because I wasn't blow drying. I didn't have hot rollers. I didn't have a curling iron. I couldn't style my hair. I wasn't using product. It's poor set. Like, here's the thing. Yes, natural beauty, blah, blah, blah. You're perfect as you are. You are beautiful no matter what they say. You, You can buy your hair if it won't grow. You can fix your nose if they said so. You can buy all the makeup the man can make. When will my reflection show who I am inside? I get all of that, but also... These things exist that make us look better because they make us feel better. And where would I be today without dry shampoo, without highlights, without an eyebrow threading, without a, a light dose of tox here and there, without some serious skin exfoliation, without a spray tan, without Spanx? I mean, the, the, the modifications I make to myself is truly Dorothy in that cha- dental chair, getting her eyes dyed before she goes to meet the wizard. I am very doctored when I look back on it, though over time, it's very slow and steady. So it doesn't seem like I'm overproduced. I'm not as keen on the injections and stuff. I still feel like I'm at an age where I'm a high alert for trying to perfect your face to a point that it makes you look older than you are. That's what I'm not into. But I've, in my later years, or my later years, I mean, my recent years, I've decided to stop spending so much money on product. And to just like try to take care of what's there in an effort to wear less product. So even though, you know, like facials and stuff are expensive, I don't know, y- you got to protect your base. And if you're just constantly piling stuff on it to hide what's actually there, like, what's the point? So I'd argue and more, more recently, I am more into the natural thing. And it's just like, after years of wearing makeup and blow drying your hair and getting ready, it's just kind of exhausting. I'm not into it anymore. And I am, you know. One showerless day away from letting myself go. <laughs> like that is the the worst thing you can possibly. I used to hate when people would say that about women. It's like that's so rude. Women are like like we we do so many things. We are thinking for everybody. We are running the house. We have all the purchasing power. We have the children. What else do you want from us? Like it takes me like if I want to do a full blow dry curl face of makeup to a place where I could be like photographed or or videoed, it's gonna take me 60 to 90 minutes. That's a waste of life most days. Like, I don't wanna spend my life getting ready. So you do your hair once or twice a week. You group together the times where your face needs to look good. You schedule your networking events, your coffees, your drinks with friends, your date night with your husband, like back to back to back. Like if, if I have on a decent outfit and a smoky eye, I am going to see as many people as humanly possible. It's similarly back to the seventh grade thing. Do you remember when you would wear a great outfit to school and then you felt like nobody saw it? You didn't pass your crush in the hall or your friends didn't do anything and like somebody was out sick that you wanted to see it and you're like, what a waste. I am wearing the sickest American Eagle rugby top that there ever was with my best flared jeans, probably with a fabric stripe down the side made by LEI and my, well, I was gonna say Sauconies, but as you guys know, I did not have those. They were a bit past my price point. But I think in seventh grade, I was probably, mm, was I rocking a kid? No, I was rocking those weird moccasins. They're, they're like clogs with a buckle and they're a, like a foam, like a micro suede clog without a buckle. The high end ones are probably made by Birkenstock. Mine were made by Payless Source, and they, they dragged like crazy. And a lot of boys wore them with cargo shorts. And in retrospect, I can't believe that those were so cool. But I think I might send my kids to more of a, like, well, I'm all for public school. Like, I had a great experience in public school. I think it's great to interact with both genders. I think it's important to meet all different types of people and to inject as much diversity as you can into your child's life so they can go into their adulthood having met a lot of different types of people from different walks of life and having a diverse array of experiences to be a little better off than a person who's highly sheltered as they you know turn 18 and go off to college or wherever they may be not to say private school doesn't provide that but like my college roommate who we hated each other she had 18 people in her graduating class now when you have 18 people and you're bragging to me about being prom queen based on statistics alone not that impressive if we're going to go you know, uh, the 50-50 typical gender population split, maybe a 49-51, there is nine, maybe 10, maybe eight girls in your class. And you being chosen as one of those people does not impress on me much. So shut your pie hole and quit getting mad at me for taping my posters on the wall and sa- telling me I'm at risk for tearing off drywall and you don't want to lose your deposit. Like she, I put up something with tape on my wall and she literally blocked me on AIM and posted an away message talking bad about me. She did this all the time. And I go into my friend's room across the hall and we'd look at her away messages and be like, what the heck, man? Like, I'm a nice girl. I, I, I'm i sorry. I chew a little late at night and the glow of my laptop is bothering you because I don't study until 2 a.m. But I'm writing a novel called Chocolate Milk and NyQuil and I cannot be bothered. And I'm sorry, my computer's next to your face, but you're the one that got to the dorm really and took the good spot with the window by the bed. And my desk is like crammed next to the microwave in the mini fridge. It happens to be right by your head. Like, it's all your fault. Gosh, she's the worst. She had satin blue sheets. Satin blue zebra print sheets with a blue (laughs) feather trim. (laughs) I I, I didn't know that that you could put a boa on bedding. I did not know that highly shedding faux feathers meant for... You know, conga lines, New Year's Eve parties, red hats, club society meetings or whatever, Mardi Gras. These are the times you use a feather boa. I did not know going into college that every day of my life was going to be an Elton John concert. And for that, I'll never recover. And I just I will never get past the mindset of somebody having met literally no one and living in such a small place in a private school with no experience, and how everything I did, she looked so terribly down on because she thought anything outside of her realm of experience wasn't normal, it was wrong, it was crass, it was annoying. Yes, me staying up late is annoying, but, like, uh, th- to be so insular that you can't figure out that your bedding is fresh off the neck of some other small-town gal enrolled in Barbizon or taking glamour shots with their aunt for a fun girls' day out, which, not gonna lie, I really wanted to do. I really wanted to see what I looked like with a blue eyeshadow and a teased bang, but it was never in the cards for me. Do I regret not having those uh, photos to look back on for nostalgia, along with a photo of me at a theme park in an old-timey western saloon? Yes, but I was too shy at the time. Anyway, all of this to say, why was I talking about my roommate? She definitely doesn't listen to this, guys, don't worry. And I really wouldn't go that hard at somebody... Unless they like really hurt my feelings and really I know I have no interest in me whatsoever going forward. Um, oh, yeah. When you, I liked, I liked going to my class was like 500 people. Like, did it stink that if you're not at the top of the class, you don't get to go? You know, they only take a couple people from each school at like the top university. Sure. I was never going to go to those anyway. I, I had a great time. It, it, it meant every year was very different. You made different friends depending on your classes. And, It kind of gave you the opportunity to blend in when you needed to and stand out if you wanted to. And you weren't just an absolute, like, you weren't stuck in being just one thing. I I feel like I was able to do a lot of different things throughout uh, K through 12. And the only thing that I would say I would change if I have children is I do like the idea of uniforms. And even though I'm very, you know, on alert for cults, and I really don't like uh, mob group mentalities and I don't like you know women to be restricted based on you know our having to modify our clothing so men will behave rather than just focusing on making men behave but I just I think that like I would be I would have been a lot less distracted in school but didn't have to like plan my outfits and my looks all the time I could have just focused on like statement jewelry and shoes and my hair and I I like spend a lot of time trying to figure out what to wear in middle and high school. Like I'm not proud of it. But the reality is in high school and at church, two places where you would hope that you can go without judgment, a house of worship and a place of learning are actually the places you're judged the most because hallways are runways, communion is a catwalk and everybody's looking at you and everybody's judging you. And it just is what it is because if you're doing it to other people, you realize that it's being done to you, and I don't know, guys. It's it's it takes me back to that time, and I think to this past weekend, I had a book signing at in Richmond, Virginia, my hometown. And what it all kind of spurred from is I it was so cool. I had this article in a paper, which if you follow me on Instagram, you're like, stop talking about it. We get it. Um, but it was in the front of a section. It was like a full-page spread. My Me and Tugboat, like, above and below the fold. And um, it was a story about how when I was 13 in the year 2000, October thirteenth, 2000, I won a, a poetry contest for the—a youth poetry contest for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. I had submitted two poems, and both of them got in there. I was the only person with two poems, and it really gave me a ton of confidence for my poetry career, I suppose I can call it now. Um, and— I, at the time, like, didn't tell my friends, and I was so embarrassed, and and I kind of wanted to full circle, you know, like, the first time I was published in the Richmond Times Dispatch, I was so shy, so awkward, so intensely emotional, without any means to express it. Writing was my youth soccer, poetry was my extracurricular, like, it was what I had, but it was the most embarrassing and uncool hobby you can ever imagine, so My mom, I'm pretty sure my mom found my poem, one of my poems in a journal, and it was called Beautiful. And looking back on it for a 13-year-old, it's kind of a lot. (laughs) And that is the one that was going to get submitted. But then I was worried that my, I don't know, I was like embarrassed and thought that maybe I should go for something a little more lighthearted. So I wrote one called The Mysterious Mess. That was about my messy room and how I've raged against cleaning it up, which I still feel the exact same way. And uh, little did I know they'd pick both of them. I didn't tell anybody because I was worried they'd see this one poem called Beautiful. But I, I just feel like all my, you know, everything converges converged this weekend when I was like back in my hometown, when I had that article come out about how I felt when I was 13, the fact that this podcast is so rooted in a lot of nostalgia in my youth and in watching this Pen15 show, I, I, I feel like this poem is kind of like the cross-section of like who I was at the time and how badly I felt about myself and how writing was such an outlet for me. And I don't know, something about realizing I did the exact same thing 30 years later. Well, sorry, no. <laughs> 17 years later, when I was 30 years old, when I was having a bad day, having a tough time, feeling bad about myself, and I wrote another poem to make myself feel better, I just think is a very cool case for nature versus nurture. Um, Reminds me of there's something to be said about what you love doing and going back to basics and the things that have always made you feel like you, the things that have made you lose track of time. And what also is so crazy to me is that until a couple weeks ago, I did not notice I said the same thing, uh, the exact same line in both poems, 17, 18 years apart. And I just, I don't know. I think it's such a strange coincidence. And well, hold on. I'll just, uh, I'll I'll read you it. It's very quick, but um, you know, it's a little intense for a 13 year old. Maybe I shouldn't have been watching so much real world on the side. Sorry, I have the paper in front of me. One second. Have I read this before? I don't think I've read it before. I think I have read barometric pressures before, which is some of my best work and my only free verse work. I'm not, I'm not huge into free verse. Hold on guys. Oh, okay. Here we go. Beautiful. Katie Kennedy, 13 bird middle school. Who really are you? What do you see? Does it really matter what people think of you and me? Of course not. Some do say, but why do they try to be perfect in every which way? Painting their faces, buying lots of clothes, trying to hide flaws of which others don't know. Guess what? The word is out. It's what's on the inside that really does count. Everyone is beautiful no matter what. Not because of style or a new haircut. Eh, Don't love that rhyme. Beauty lies on the inside where no one can see. And it doesn't matter if others don't agree. Beauty is behind the makeup, beyond your skin. It doesn't matter if you're large or if you're thin. Very body positive for the year 2000, I say. Anyway. In your heart, if you're faithful and kind, and if you learn to accept yourself, then true beauty you will find. The end. I mean, yikes. When my mom saw that, I think... I don't know if she was, like, alarmed and, like, eh, we need to channel this somewhere, or we need to... If she needs to feel like this is useful for something, or if she... I mean, I just... I don't know. It's a good... I think it's, like, pretty good, but I also... um, Just remember again like it's when you say things you need to hear it the most and i was just like it doesn't matter that i have an expander and can fit a pencil eraser in between my two front teeth i'm beautiful <laughs> and then the mysterious mess there is a place which i like to call my room it is normally quite messy and does not smell smell of perfume it makes my mom angry when she walks in she screams it is actually much worse than it may seem it's a humongous jungle a great big mess a perpetual pigsty but i think it's the best when you first walk in, you may get dizzy in the head. It takes at least five minutes to actually find my bed. I don't want my closet. My clothes don't belong in drawers. Why put them there? They're more convenient on the floor. Want some junk? No need to go to the store. Just come to my room. Plenty of junk lies beyond my door. <sighs> that syllabically was incompatible. I try to shove my stuff behind my closet door. But when my mom finds it, she gets angry even more. Clean up that closet. Fix up that room. Do it by five or else you'll really be doomed. That's what my mom says in the absolute nicest way. as I whine to her, if I clean it, it'll take at least three days. Finally, I clean it. yes, it takes a long while, but it is all definitely worth it. It makes my mom smile. <laughs> like that's the irony too, is I'm so manipulative. I probably like she, I probably didn't listen to her for like weeks, months and didn't clean my room, and I know she loves poems, and I so I wrote like an adorable poem about how it's like just the way I am and then. At the end, I like flatter her about how much I care about her happiness. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) oh, and also like, is that not kind of what this whole be there in five brand is? It's like, I can't help it being late. is the way I am. I know punctuality is right, but it doesn't mean that I'm wrong. (sighs) What are you going to do guys? Oh, but anyway, to, to loop back the, um, part from beautiful that says, guess what? The word is out. It's what's on the inside that really does count the light bulb moment reading the last page of twinkle twinkle social media Star the other day where it says well the last page is, but i hope you know this is all for fun while we love to like follow and tweet there's more to life than likes to be one look up at the sky not your screen my love my cub when all said and done your best days aren't on a profile page forget your accounts it's what's on the inside that counts the best impressions to make are not paid so if you didn't catch it it's what's on the inside that counts so i just think it's a really interesting theme and uh yeah just thought i would share um, for those of you that came to the book signing, like, thank you. I love you. That was so meaningful to me. I wish I could talk to you longer. Devin, you came from Pittsburgh. I know Adrian came from DC. She also had in-laws in town. So like, I don't want to flatter myself to think people came just for me. I know like every, people were killing two birds, but like still the fact that you even would consider me one of those two birds, means a lot to me. I, I think I got to meet like maybe like 15 or so of you. And it, it blew me away. Even if you're somebody I knew from childhood or middle or high school or college, like I got to see so many people from like my neighborhood that I hadn't seen in like 20 years. Like my parents, friends, people that saw the article, like one man that's all the article, saw the photo of me and my grandma and my grandma, who you guys know is integral to the story of be there in five and the logo and the hanging hearts. And you know, the way I talk about coincidence and whatever, um, I, I cried at one point because he was like, I saw your grandma and you and I had to come say hello because she used to work for me. And just, I mean, like it it was it was really cool. I'm sure my family thought I paid you all off. Um, <laughs> and it just was kind of the. Um, the I, I it re-energized me in a way that was like. You identify with whatever it is I'm doing here and no matter how it turns out, hopefully you'll be along for the ride. And I am so appreciative of your support and I hope I get to meet more of you and I hope I get to like actually hang out with you guys next time. But anyway, at the risk of gushing, I had a great time. It meant the world to me and it was all very, uh, the synchronicity of it all was wild with that, uh, article coming out last week it being the week lo- last year that i submitted the book proposal it being the week of hearts which always means a lot to me because of my connection to hanging hearts with my grandma that on top of uh, getting to see a tangible in person outcome of my efforts the past year that at times felt thankless or aimless or uh, so unpredictable that it was crippling it, it was so important for me to um have a moment where I could celebrate the book and meet some of the listeners and feel like that, you know, all of this hopefully has a purpose. (laughs) Um, So thank you, thank you, thank you again. And um, with that, I'm gonna hop off because my ramen just got here. I did pay $3 for extra noodles, um, which again, not great for the whole accountability thing, given given that even the regular baseline amount of noodles sans extras was, you know, going to be way outside the old macros. But what are you going to do? Live your life. Every day is a cheat day if you do it well. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. That's the, wor- that's the worst advice. Uh, someday I'm going to be wrongfully framed for a crime and they're going to play that soundbite. There's so many soundbites in these like 40 some episodes that would incriminate me if said out of context or maybe in context, if I'm honest. I'm worried I went a little hard on my roommate and maybe on Jordan earlier, but you know, just trying to keep it real here and also minimize editing for myself. Hence why you're hearing my dog. Mark great great timing tug that really added dramatic effect only a voice in the crack crumbs come here every time guys every time anyway i'm still talking to a few of you guys about podcast sponsorships working out the details didn't do one this week because i recorded this just now and i'm going to put it up probably now without listening to it Um, because sometimes things are like, I don't know, I don't want to like record two days later after this Jordan thing and have developments not in it. And sometimes it's better when I just don't overthink it, you know, so but still, I um, am looking to and excited to advertise for my listeners. If you have a small business an Etsy shop, whatever it may be. I had a lot of great reception of talking about IP with a uh, caroline fox the intellectual property lawyer taking out an ad which i loved because like i know it's not a conventional place for an attorney to advertise but it actually i think was a great fit um so don't forget to support her cj fox law the Bathwell at uh use be, code be there be well for 10 percent off obsessed with their peppermint body wash it is making me feel fresh as a stick of gum which is a huge compliment for me and um uh rent the runway unlimited my shining star of my life currently, because I hate shopping, don't have time to shop, and my Amazon purchases come three to six weeks late with mysterious packages from China. Use KK forty for eighty dollars off your first two months, and uh subscribe to Patreon for bonus episodes. Going to post one here soon. A dollar a month is just the co-signing I need to know that uh, you're here, you're invested, you're listening, and you're willing to pay for content. I, 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 there are some podcasts out there that have. Thousands of Patreon members that pay like four ninety nine plus a month, and I'm just like, dang, I like that. That is like so wild to me. And like, I think in my head, I'm thinking of like, gosh, I, this is like it has to be an advertising model, and it's so much like hustle and clawing. But really, if, I, if we can do Patreon, make it more of a thing, then that would be like how you can monetize the podcast without ads. You know, it, it, it's it, it's interesting how people are disrupting the revenue models of podcasts, and I think it's really cool. And I'm. I'd love to be on the front lines. So let me know if you have any ideas. But anyway, thank you for your support. Be there in five. Be there in five. Follow me at Be there in five. Rate, review my podcast. None of you guys are going to do any of this. I feel like I have to say it anyway. And um, be on the lookout for my new products on my Etsy shop that are, you know, fun takes on the Bravo shows we watch and the pop culture things that I like to talk about. Figure why not, uh, uh, you know, find some synergy amongst all these worlds so hope you like them and uh yeah thanks for spending time this week with me as always for my exit song I have had this on my shortlist for a long time but heard it in that in the pen 15 show this past week and I was like oh my I was I I was transported it's I say that about every song I think but um it really is so good and I remember two songs that really made me feel like I was missing out on this thing called love that everybody had. But me and those songs were one, Amazed by Lone Star, two, You and Me by Lifehouse. I'm not going to play either of those, but similar kind of genre and type of music, kind of along the lines too of Edwin McCain's I'll Be, which I have analyzed in full on this podcast, I believe. But anyway, another song by Lifehouse is. I mean, I don't know. Try to listen to this song and not just be like uh, feeling sensations from middle school, high school, elementary school, whatever grades you were in. I think this will take you back to a time when your biggest problem was your hair getting stuck in those like nails on the back of the blue chairs with the like the three, you know, gaps in the back, the classic school chair attached to the desk. My hair. Like, th- my DNA is all over Henrico County. That was painful. That was tough. But, you know, it, it was, it was uh, a rite of passage, if you will. All right, guys. I hope you enjoy this song. Thanks again. And as always, let me know your thoughts. And I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. Desperate for changing. starving for truth. I'm closer to where I started I'm chasing after you I'm falling even more in love with you Letting go of all I've on to I'm standing here until you make me Take